When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Alan Clark of the Hollies, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff here with another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcasts. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Megaphone, and 40 other podcast platforms thereabouts. All right, uh, this is episode 149. I'm calling this Guest Female Vocals. Can you guess what it's about? I think you probably can. Um, this is in honor of Reese Styles from the Tubes, who recently passed away at the age of seventy-two. I haven't seen a a uh, you know a a for sure cause of death, but uh, there are there are rumors it might have been cancer. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, Reese Styles. Uh, I'm gonna read you a little bit from a from a Bruce Herring obituary on here. Uh, recorded and toured with the Tubes, uh, contributed to their unique stage attire. Yeah, she was known to. Um, uh, design their costumes and whatnot. Uh, yeah, passed away age 72, April April 17th. Um, born Shirley MacLeod in the Netherlands in 1950, she modeled in Penthouse and Playboy, then moved on to appear in uh, the film Holy Mountain and Sunrise science fiction film Space is the Place. Uh, she met the Tubes as a, at an art school show and quickly fell in with a San Francisco-based troupe. By 75, she was coordinating their clothes and wild stage maneuvers. Um, yeah, I'm... Pretty sure when I saw the tubes, she was involved with them. I think so. Um, maybe not. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, she's definitely known uh, for the look and some vocals that we're going to hear for a little bit here. Uh, she would also dress in leather outfits and dance suggestively with lead singer Fee Waybill during the fan favorite song Mondo Bondage. Uh, Styles sang on the band's first U.S. charting single, du- uh, duetting with Waybill on Don't Touch Me There and later on Primetime from the 1979 album Remote Control. The latter single reached number 34 in the U.K. She married Tubes drummer Prairie Prince in 79. Um, so yeah, um, She's pictured on the back of uh, the Young and Rich album, and uh, and Prairie Prince uh, has his arm around her. Uh, it's it's funny uh, on the inner sleeve, the the credits, the song, the song, the guys credits here are uh, Bill Sputnik Spooner guitars vocals, below console leadership, Faye Waldo Waybill method frontman, Michael Cotton synthesizers Vision. Preposterous Prairie Prince, Power Percussion, Vince Welnick, Keyboard Synthesizers, Gestures, Rick Gator Anderson, Bass and Vocal Quips, Roger Steen, Guitars, Blues Heart Vocals, Bone Structure, and Restyles, Funky Pretty Vocals, Good Hands Again. So uh, so there you go. That was her debut with the Tubes. Um, but, um, well, take a listen to this and we'll, uh, and we'll discuss uh, a little bit further. This is our first selection. This is the Tubes with Primetime. Time. <laughs> 
All right, so I wanted to pick something off of remote control uh, rather than don't touch me there because I really do uh, love the remote control album. I've often called it my favorite tubes album. When we did the ranking with Pete Pardo on Sea of Tranquility, I can't remember. I might have ranked one of the earlier ones higher. I really love everything they did, Com Completion Backwards Principle as well. Uh, but yeah, on this one, uh, Restyles is actually pictured on the back. This is the one with the famous Hollywood Squares uh, pictures on the back, and she's, she's on the back there. Um, what Fee has said about this song, he says, originally it was a song Re sang all by herself. The record company said, we want this to be a single, but we can't put out a single with a girl singer who's not familiar to anybody who knows the, uh, who knows the tubes. You've got to put Fee uh, on it. So we had to go back in after the record was done and re-record the song as a duet. Uh, so there you go. Uh, and the tubes also, let's not forget, they did, um, they did the song Monkey Time by Curtis Mayfield on the great, great Outside Inside album. That's the one with She's a Beauty. What an amazing song. That was their, their biggest hit, apparently. Um, but they did Mar uh, Monkey Time on there, or The Monkey Time, and uh, that had vocals from Martha Davis of the Motels uh, as part of that one. Um, this I didn't know. Other copies used a version with Davis vocals replaced by Michelle Gray. Gray was one of the Tubes' principal dancers from 83 to 85 and later married frequent Tubes collaborator and producer Todd Rundgren. Interesting. Um, so yeah, there's uh, there's some high profile. The Don't Touch Me There one is probably uh, the most famous uh, out of all of these. Uh, one final note on Ree. It says, An official uh, sources reported that she resumed with her creative career, serving as a landscape gardener, interior designer, party planner, as well as a florist. So there you go. Ree Styles, unfortunately, passed on at the age of 72. Let's take a listen to our second selection here. This is Peter Gabriel with Games Without Frontiers. Man, I love this album. This is my favorite Peter Gabriel album for sure. So this is the third of the of uh, of the four self-titled. I guess the the fourth one. Sometimes it's called Security, but it's also considered a self-titled. This is the one. I, I don't know if I told you this story before, but I um. I did a big memorabilia buy um, at BackstageAuctions.com, uh, my good buddy Jacques Van Gool there. Um, but uh, I ended up getting a Peter Gabriel face melt poster uh, in four parts, and I think it's 32 square feet per quarter. Um, so the whole thing, whatever, 32, what is that, 64? It might be 128 square feet. Uh, this this poster of the front cover, you know, with the text, uh, Peter Gabriel Mel. It's unbelievable. I don't know where the heck I'm ever going to put it. It's just kind of folded up into the quadrants and sitting in a box at this point. Um, but this is uh, the incomparable Kate Bush on here. Kate Bush is also on No Self-Control on this album, although it's it's more in the background doing the typical, you know, the cool, extreme Kate Bush of uh, the dreaming era. Uh, but this one is the, you know, the Je Sans Frontier part. It's very prominent in the song. It's amazing. And then Kate Bush obviously comes back later on on the So album for Don't Give Up, which was a big hit. And that's, that's even more of a duet, I suppose. Um, 
And that's got the great video where they're in the big hug the whole time there. Um, but uh, but yeah, this song, uh, the, the song title of this one, Je Sans Frontier, a uh, long-running TV show broadcast in several European countries. Teams representing a town or city in one particular countries would compete in games of skill, often well-dressed in bizarre costumes. Uh, Peter Gabriel said it seemed to have s- several layers to it. Uh, I just began playing in a somewhat lighthearted fashion, Hans and Lottie, so it looked on the surface just as kids. The names themselves are meaningless, but they do have certain associations with them. It's all it's almost like a little kid's activity room. Underneath that, you have the TV program and the sort of nationalism, territorialism, competitiveness that underlies uh, all that assembly of jolly people. What an amazing song. This was, um, I, I, I saw that uh, in my research, this was a big hit in Canada, but not so big a hit in the States. But I remember it was all over radio. Uh, very creepy, you know, innovative song with all the, the weird, uh, you know, new ways to record percussion and stuff. But yeah, Kate Bush on there is absolutely amazing. She's the perfect choice. She's exactly as super fearlessly creative and uh, and highly esteemed as uh, as peter gabriel uh is um so yeah there you go so she's on on that one don't give up and no self-control uh let's see it's uh gabriel also appeared on bush's 1979 television special where they sang a duet of roy harper's another day that's that's pretty cool uh she has sung on two uh roy harper tracks you on his 79 album the unknown soldier and once the title track of his 1990 album pretty cool um and i didn't know this she was on a big country song the title song of uh, the big country album, The Seer. That, that's pretty awesome as well. Um, all right. Uh, this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and Start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History in 5 Songs with Martin Popoff listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's betterhelp.com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. I wanted to add that I've gotten this really nice testimonial from a listener who says, I want to once again give you feedback on your sponsor, BetterHelp. The therapy I have received the last month month has been better than any I have encountered over the last 30 years. You have a quality life-changing sponsor. I love that. Um, All right. Okay. On to our third selection. Take a listen to this. This is Led Zeppelin with the Battle of Evermore. Side by side, we wait the 
All right. This is a big key, super famous one in our world of classic rock, dad rock, hard rock, whatever you want to call it. Off of Led Zeppelin 4, arguably the greatest Led Zeppelin album. I go for physical graffiti, but this is just banger after banger. November 8th, 1971. Uh, this is Sandy Denny. Uh, on this track. I'm just going to actually read you from uh, my out-of-print Led Zeppelin book. I figure uh, I, I wrote this so I can read this. And then, and also, um, you know, this book is out of print, so a lot of you may not have this. This is probably my greatest book that is out of print. It was beautiful, beautiful. I'm, I'm amazed that it's out of print right now and Cordo hasn't put it back. But anyways, um, the beautiful torrent of shimmering acoustics that is the Battle of Evermore came quick and easy at Headley Grange. Jimmy, late one evening, picking up John Paul Jones' mandolin, an instrument he was unfamiliar with, and strumming the melody on the spot while making use of the rudimentary Earl Scruggs and Pete Seeger-influenced finger-picking technique he has picked up as a studio musician. Andy Johns was handy with a microphone and a Vincent Echo, also used on the drums and when the levee breaks, to get the right ambience. Rather, uh, Robert, on the other hand, had many mouthfuls of mystical words and felt he needed another voice involved, viewing the song as a playlet, i.e. a short dramatic piece. Enter Sandy Denny, ex-Fairport Convention, fathering gay, and now solo artist, friend of the band, who uh, worked at Island singing uh, worked at Island singing directly with Robert, Turns in an acoustic, uh, an iconic performance, the grandest cameo by anybody on a Zeppelin album. Danny drifts out in what is, uh, out out in what is a dreamy sort of call and response, uh, providing a sort of slippery color commentary to the story from Robert. Is typically opaque with much action packed into each line, each line not necessarily connected to the next. Robert was inspired by a book on Scottish history, focus, focusing on the Anglo-Scottish wars of the 15th and 16th century, although he makes his tale universal, weaving a yarn about the eternal battle between night and day. And all that such as uh, light um, and shade story might, uh, might symbolize. Interpreters have found references and imagery from Lord of the Rings as well. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Danny Forever uh, even gets her own symbol on the inner sleeve of the album, albeit smaller than the famous four hers being three inverted triangles joined at the center uh and on a sleeve with scant credits her name is prominent indeed due to the necessity uh, of thanking island records for her visitation into led zeppelin's world uh let's see i'll skip a little part here uh with denny deceased from a brain hemorrhage after a fall in 1978 and zeppelin performing the song only uh in the spring and summer of 77 very briskly and aggressively jones struggling through denny's parts occasionally joined by bonham uh blah blah let's see plant performed evermore as guest of fairport convention and also with allison krauss on the duo's successful raising sand uh run although not on the album so that's pretty cool so sandy denny um what what else is all bringing on uh, uh yeah i mean it's also considered a bit of a town crier performance but it's it's um it's probably the greatest uh example of the five we're going to have here because she's all over it and they are drifting in and out uh, of each other's vocal what a, what a great what a great um song there as well uh okay let's move on to our fourth selection this is rush with time stand still
Okay, I wanted to pick this because it's very celebrated and very famous. This is the most prominent guest on a Rush album other than, I would say, Ben Mink, uh, violin on, on Losing It, an amazing, amazing song. This is Amy Mann from Till Tuesday. Uh, let's see. So what Neil says about this song, all through the 70s, our lives were flying by. We spent so much time on the road that it became like a dark tunnel. You start to think about the people you're neglecting, friends and family. So the song is about stopping to enjoy that with a warning against too much looking back. Instead of getting nostalgic about the past, it's more of a plea for the present. This is this is from the Red Album, um, Hold Your Fire. Um Let's see what else we got here. So, uh, yeah, this was kind of interesting, and I remember this from from the from the Rush trilogy, the books. This might even be a quote from the from what was in there. I'm not sure, um, but uh, interestingly enough, so so Alex Lifeson thought, um, you know, a female vocalist would be kind of a good idea here. Initially, the band had hoped to recruit Cindy Lauper to sing the part, and then later approach the Pretenders, Chrissy Hine, because according to Lifeson, we thought she'd be perfect, but Chrissy was unavailable at the time. So, wow, can you can you believe that? That would have been amazing, eh? Uh, Chrissy, I love Chrissy Hine. She's a legend. Um, but uh, Rush later recruited Mann and paid her $2,000 to sing on the track, so that's pretty good. Um, and Lifeson says her voice blends with Getty Lee's perfectly, and I think it creates the right atmosphere. The song um, is just something new for Rush. Uh, and obviously, this one is all tied up with the notorious video they made for this with the green screen with everybody floating around. And Amy Mann, indeed, is in the video. Uh, but it's it's kind of a video that, uh, you know, Rush fans or anybody uh, kind of makes fun of because, uh, you know, Getty's got the... Uh, the uh, raccoon on the head uh, hair style and and all their all their styles their fashion sense I mean poor Rush they they always kind of like joked at themselves and said we never got the fashion thing right we can never figure it out kind of thing um, but this is kind of a funny video because you really see that because they're they're so silhouetted against the green screen sort of situation they're just floating around all over the place so it's not considered a great video. Uh, but yes, Amy Mann is in the song, and Amy Mann, of course, is also in the video as well. Uh, let's move on to our fifth selection. Take a listen to this. This is Pink Floyd with The Great Gig in the Sky. All right, so this is probably the most famous uh, female guest vocal in classic rock. I mean, prove me wrong, you know, let me know. Uh, and maybe next episode, I'll mention a few things I missed. I do have a couple honorable mentions coming, but this is a super, super famous one, of course. Um, this is from Dark Side of the Moon, March 1st, 73. Um, I'm going to also read you again from something I wrote. Um Claire Helen Torrey, who provides the wordless vocal performance on The Great Gig in the Sky, was born November 29th, 47, in London, previous to appearing on Dark Side of the Moon. She had recorded a handful of singles, sticking with the Floyd connection after a tracking of the Dark Side song. She soon was back on stage singing her part with the band November 4th, 73, at the Rainbow Theater. She also sung on the song with the band at Nebworth in 1990 with Roger Waters at some solo shows, also appearing on Roger Waters' second album, Radio Chaos, and his collaborative soundtrack album for the animated film, When the Wind Blows. Um, let's see. Uh, 
Yeah, outside of the Dark Side credit, this is, again, something I wrote. Tori went on to become essentially a working vocalist, singing in uh, TV commercials and recording sessions while also touring as a backup singer, most notably for the Alan Parsons Project. And, of course, Alan Parsons is the engineer who really, really helped out on Dark Side, with Tori also singing the lead vocal on Don't Hold Back from the band's gold-certified Eve album, The Standard Fee for what she did. This is the contentious part. uh, On The Great Gig of the Sky was 15 pounds, but Tori said she charged them double because it was a Sunday. In 2004, Tori successfully sued Pink Floyd and EMI, claiming that her work on The Great Gig in the Sky constituted some measure of a songwriting credit. The party settled for an undisclosed undisclosed amount, with all subsequent issues on the album specifying as part of the credit, Vocal Composition by Claire Tori. Um, so that's pretty wild. Um, this is obviously a really, really cool wordless vocal. Um, they just told her to kind of go in there and emote and try this out. And they, they loved what she did. Um, but it's just, it just adds this layer of, uh, you know, gauzy sort of, uh, you know, on a trip, uh, feel to this great gig in the sky, which is, you know, an instrumental song kind of, kind of otherwise. Right. Um, uh, this absolutely immense album. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll mention another little part here that I wrote. Claire Torrey's vocals uh, were recorded January 21st, with the session wrapping up February 1st. Notes part and Parsons, I suggested calling up Claire Torrey to sing that. They were, uncom- un- they were unacquainted with her. There were a few specific instances like that where I injected some, you know, ideas. Yeah, this is when uh, I interviewed Alan, actually. Uh, Tori did three or four takes of the suggested wordless vocal, uh, with Parsons indicating that the final performance was a composite. Tori remembers fondly the excellent mix Parsons got for her between her voice and the music and her headphones and enjoyed greatly closing her eyes and belting it out once she had a firm grasp of the concept. Tori also recalls that the guys, other than Dave, looked completely bored during the process and she was ushered out pretty quickly after she was done reflecting as she left um that what she had done probably was not going to make the record lo and behold did she uh <laughs> did she ever make the record um it's considered one of the greatest parts of dark side of the moon one of the biggest albums of all time um all right a few honorable mentions i wanted to uh to to mention here uh patty smith on the revenge of vera gemini remember uh, so this is off of agents of fortune blue oyster cult remember that she um you know, she was dating Alan Lanier and she wrote some amazing lyrics uh, for the Blue Oyster Cult. Speaking of Blue Oyster Cult, uh, good old Ellen Foley. Uh, Ellen Foley, you know, known for her performance on the Meatloaf album, Bad Out of Hell. Um, but it's Carla DeVito that, that goes on tour and is in tour and videos, right? I think. But it's Ellen Foley on the album. Um, and, uh, yeah, she, she's, uh, she's lip syncing to the vocals on the video and she, and she toured in support of it. Um, but what I, what I love about Alan Foley is that, um, she sings on a gorgeous, uh, underrated song on mirrors called mirrors, uh, which is, uh, you know, an underrated album as well. Um, but she sings on that, which is really cool. And she also sings, uh, for the clash. She, she sings on, um, what is it? Uh, uh, on Sandinista, nineteen eighty, Hitsville, UK, and Corner Soul, and also uh, on the unreleased track "Blonde Rock and Roll." Um, but yeah, uh, the big one is Hitsville, UK, and I, I guess she was going out with Mick Jones at the time. This is kind of cool. Uh, all four members of the Clash appear on her second album, "Spirit of St. Louis." When I did my Clash album, which is now Clash album, Clash book, which is now coming back into print, uh, the Clash, all the albums, all the songs, it's back in print through PM Press out of uh, California. 
I'm glad to see that back. That's my favorite book so far, followed by The Led Zeppelin and uh, superseded by The Damned, which is the same thing, which is coming out soon. Uh, that's going to be similar situation, all the albums, all the songs kind of thing. Uh, but I did interview uh, Ellen for The Clash book as uh, for a bit of a sidebar, so I got kind of her, her story on that. So that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, just a final note, in 1982, she provided backing vocals on The Clash's uh, Car Jamming from Combat Rock, The Clash song, Should I Stay or Should I Go, written and sung by Jones, was about the turbulent relationship he shared with Foley at the time. Pretty wild. Um, another good honorable mention, of course, is uh, Pamela Moore on Operation Mind Crime, uh, playing Sister Mary, Sweet Sister Mary. You know, there's the 10-minute song in there. She comes back for Operation Mind Crime 2, and she goes out live with them and all that stuff. Uh, Atul Amand, uh, Megadeth, um, I guess not on the original version, 1994's Euthanasia, but released as a single in 95. Uh, uh, later remade and remissues, reissued as Atul Amand, uh, Set Me Free, featuring Christina Scabia of Lacuna Coil um, on uh, on United Abominations 2007. So uh, so that's kind of a famous one. They, they kind of got a little heck for doing that, I, I think, uh, as well. And um, that's kind of all I could think of. I'll, I'll give you a bit of a funny story. This whole episode was actually um, inspired by what I thought was a female vocal on magazines Feed the Enemy. Uh, I just worship that second magazine album, Secondhand Daylight. And there's this part on there, which is just really ethereal and creepy female vocal. But as I did a little research, uh, it might be John, John McKeel. Is that how you pronounce it? Doing the, doing the vocal there. You know, there's a lot of cases of that where, I mean, maybe as just a high voice or maybe they just, just cranked it up electronically. Because remember, there's that... Uh, that famous Fleetwood Mac song with the oh 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 you know the back and forth the male female and then and then you read uh, do a little research into that and that's just Lindsey Buckingham cranking up his own voice to sound like a female so it's it's kind of kind of kind of wrecks the song for you sort of thing right uh, but um, I don't know it's still a bit of a mystery to me uh, if uh, if there's a uncredited female vocal it doesn't seem to be really talked about if if it is a female vocal but yeah oddly enough i wanted to use magazine as one of the examples and i thought better not because that may not be a female vocal in there really really cool part in a, in an amazing amazing uh song there um i also wanted to uh to mention a few comments on the last episode which was called the first great productions i got some great comments in from some listeners Mick Phelan says, well, we can't say Zep. Maybe Jimmy's Axis, bold as, bold as Love, has great ideas but doesn't deliver. But sonically, Machine Head is great. That was one of my examples. Uh, it doesn't sound underwater. Um, Hunky Dory and Transformer, of course, are landmarks. Uh, great year. We are talking folk. Neil Young Harvest has a weight and grandeur with John Martin's Solid Air. In terms of metal, you have to applaud the first. Well, now he's going up, up into 1976. He mentions Boston and Jailbreak. I I I ended that episode in '73 because I didn't want to move move on beyond that. But yes, the Yes album, the in, in, intricacy, it's lush, challenging. I've seen all good people. It's light years away from the beauty yet muddy murk of In the Court of the Crimson King. True, and I almost went with that, Mick. But of course, I went with Genesis instead. I thought those sounded really good. Um, and he goes way back and mentions Link, Link Race Rumble, uh, Taurus by Spirit, um, you know, talking about Jimmy Page here a little bit. Medusa by Trapeze. Can't remember how that sounds, but that's a good one I should check out probably. Um, I do own it. Um, the best Dave Holland ever sounded interesting. Um, 
I know you disagree, but Visconti's sound made Mark Golan's guitar sound magical. Please listen to the cinematic shine of the slider by T-Rex. I don't think T-Rex has particularly good productions. Uh, let's see. Reed Little says, uh, okay, if we're talking about heavy rock, I think the Fireball, Look at Yourself, and Master of Reality from 71 all sound better than the set 1970 albums from the same band. Uh, let me think about that. Um, yes on Sabbath. Yes on Heap. No, no on Fireball. I don't think Fireball sounds better. Well, well, it sounds about the same as in rock, maybe a little better, but Machine Head is the true choice there. Uh, let's see. Um, what else? For non-heavy rock, David Bowie's Hunky Dory. So here's somebody else mentioning, mentioning Hunky Dory. So there's two quotes there. Or two votes for that. Uh, Grant Arthur says, what comes to mind is Abbey Road, Crimes of the Century, Dark Side of the Moon, Tumbleweed Connection, and most of those early Elton John albums were audiophile quality ambrosia self-titled fagans now he's getting way way too far up every picture tells a story john barleycorn must die low spark fleet max self-titled so it's funny uh, on all these comments i i remember asking these people and, and i thought this was quite hilarious but everybody mentioned elton john and everybody mentioned different elton john albums so obviously elton john albums sound really good not that i would know um todd evans writes Hi, Martin here. My, my choice is The Doors Soft Parade, 69, Chicago Transit Authority, 69, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, 69, Uri Heap, Look at Yourself, 71, The Yes Album, 71, Steely Dan, Can't Buy Thrill, 72. Yeah, you're you're probably got some really good ones in there, Todd. I, I bet if I listened to these, I, I wouldn't be disagreeing. I left off Dark Side of the Moon because I figured most people would mention that one, but if I'm being honest, it has to be included. I think 73 is when things really started to take off. That was kind of my point, Todd. I, I agree with you. That that was sort of my point there. And by 75, there are many albums that sound stellar. Okay. Uh, Neil Miller says, Yeah, I would pretty much agree that albums in the pop rock sphere really only started sounding good in the 70s, although I'm sure Sgt. Pepper, Are You Experienced, etc. sounded amazing to people who heard it upon release. Absolutely true, Neil. Uh, you know, good points. Um, but again, uh, this whole episode was was a little bit more about what objectively sounds good rather than subjectively or even for its time, really, because uh, I thought the choices I had sounded great even now. Um, but if we're talking about heavier fare, I would say Elton John's Tumbleweed Connection is the best sounding rock album from this from 1970 I can think of. The first two albums by the Carpenters also sound pristine, but then they hardly ever rock out, do they? In 1971, things started to improve in general, but still mainly for the MOR artists, and I would nominate Harry Nilsson's Nilsson Schmilson as probably the best sounding album of the year. In 1972, the best sounding were probably Stevie Wonder's Talking Book and Elton John's Honky Chateau. The heavier bands were still struggling to sound amazing on record. Uh, and that brings up a good point, Neil. Again, my point of that episode was I wanted to only talk about challenging music. So I left out mellow stuff, pop, folk, jazz, um, and went straight for the prog and the hard rock. Uh, then Neil also says, of course, Dark Side of the Moon arrives in 73. And I know you have also said before that basically from that point on, anything was theoretically possible sound-wise. I'm sure it inspired even Black Sabbath to suddenly expand their sound and massively massively improve their production, in my opinion, with Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. The second half, I don't think that's that great a sounding album, honestly. The second half of the title track starts at starting at... 316 is still some of the greatest sounding heavy metal ever recorded, although the production is not stellar all the way through like it is on Dark Side. Very cool. So there's a lot more choices there uh, to really enrich um, my modest list and my honorable mentions of the first great 
Productions. Um, if you like this show and want to support future episodes, please go to Kofi rhymes with no fee uh, dot com slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. And on that front, I would like to thank this week Joe Beck at Bel Air Expediting, Bruce Campbell, John Clark, Tim Derling, James Farquhar. Uh, David Fisher, Ryan Gavalier, Michael Gendelman, Harvey Guerrero, Reed Little, Neil Miller, Augustine Garcia de Paredes, David Moore, Steve Polari, Brian Sager, and Derek Tolmy. Uh, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Something I've been doing lately, um, you might have seen on uh, my Facebooks, I have been um, uh, doing more of these getting into the portraits rather than the fake ads situation. So drawing these straight portraits pencil crayon on black paper and I've been posting those on my Facebook but yesterday I also went and signed up with ArtPal and um and I've posted them all there so you could actually order these things in all kinds of sizes you want now and on paper on canvas on a mug uh, they don't have a lot of variety there but also if you want to get in touch with me directly and you like any of them I have eight and a half by eleven um, signed a number prints. I'm going to limit all of these that I do to 70. Um, so in gold pen, I've signed them and numbered them out of 70. Um, so I have some of those if you're interested. And the other offer I made on the Facebook is if anybody orders one of the visual biographies, the big coffee table book that fits in the custom white box that I've got, uh, the prints are perfectly sized to fit in there. So any orders uh, from you guys in the next little while uh, for one of those big visual biographies, um, you know, there's six or seven of those. Uh, I will pop in two free of these prints. I mean, I've usually been doing them for like 30 bucks and then definitely deep discounting if you want two or three or four. And it's been going great. I've got a pile of them sitting at the back door ready to, to go uh, out uh, in the mail. But yes, order visual biography. I'll throw in any two of those and you go to my Facebook. There's about 40 of them uh, that I've made prints of over there. So thanks again. Um, so go listen to some of these guest female vocals. Let me know on the Facebook if you uh, have heard of any other ones that are super important to you. But uh, but these are ones uh, that I definitely have a soft spot for. Um, these are some of the big ones and the ones I remembered right off. And they fit into our world, don't they? Um, so there you go. Uh, we shall talk to you later. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.